Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again with another new episode. I am a pastor of a small church in northern or middle of Iowa, I guess, however you want to structure it. And we are in the middle of a ton of cornfields, small little community, about 700 people. And uh, we have three churches here in town, Baptist, Methodist, and Lutheran. And I'm the pastor of the Lutheran Church. And we, um, my mission in this community is to bring you the gospel just as it is on this show. And so if you're listening, then obviously you've, uh, I would hope have listened to previous episodes, but, uh, if not, then welcome to Undying Light, a show made for you, the listener to not be so theologically heavy that you have to take notes with, but one that will cover those topics and explain them in a manner that are easy for you to understand. And we work ourselves through scripture, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And that is what Friday show does. Tuesdays, on the other hand, we are often working through a, a series. Right now we're doing Lutheran and Reformed and in the greater scope of explaining the Lutheran faith and the Lutheran traditions. That is on our Tuesday show. That may come to an end here in a couple of weeks when we wrap up the last few chapters of Between Wittenberg and Geneva, and we may just move into um, just doing a little bit longer Friday shows, depending on where we find ourselves um, you know, in the gospel account. I'd still like to do the 30-minute episodes. I think those are quite appropriate. They've been kind of bleeding into the 35-minute mark, and I think that's okay too. But I certainly want to keep them under an hour for my sake and your sanity. Uh, you don't need to listen to me drawn on that long. <clears throat> and surprisingly enough, this is a week where everybody in my house is sick and I am the sole survivor of not getting it yet. Started with my son, moved to my daughter, now my wife's got it and I am <laughs> trying to keep from getting it, but I can feel it. I can feel like my voice starting to get a little raspy and that drives me nuts. So uh, I... I, I hope that this uh, uh, episode is enjoyable and I, and I, you know, if I have to cough or hack or anything, I'll make sure to delete that out of the, 
the show. You don't need to hear that. But I do have my bloopers and stuff. I just kind of keep rolling. I, I rarely ever cut anything out. And the only times I do is if I really just mess up a whole section. Um, and it's only, you know, a couple seconds that I'm actually cutting. So I, I what you get is literally the full raw version of the show. So as we had talked on the show last week, if you uh, have been listening to us, we try to do kind of a buffer episode um, between the books. And we were doing that. And I thought that worked really well. The last handful of books we did because they were a few chapters long and we would just go you know, three or four weeks in a book and then we would pause with kind of a topical episode and then we did another book and we worked ourselves through a majority of the minor prophets and I just got to a point where I was prepping for Malachi and I'm just like I I need I need something a little different um I need to just move on to something different and and I was I, I I realized when I did the whole series on eschatology I bit off so much trying to go through all that and I by by the time I got to like revelation 15 or 16 I was just like I'm done I'm checking out but I made sure to plow through it for your sake but it, as I was prepping for those shows I'm like I just have I just have nothing left to give because I have spent so much time looking at this stuff and it was a great way to change pace and really for the last year or so we've done um, if not a little bit more than that now we've done this series on the least of these and we've looked at all sorts of different books in the Old Testament, and we we talked about all these different uh, understandings and viewpoints, and I thought it was a fantastic series. I really enjoyed that because it took us through books that you won't often hear preached or taught about, and we went verse by verse, chapter by chapter through them. And then we are now transitioning into uh, something different for Fridays. We're going to look at a whole uh, season now on the Gospels, and we're going to look at Matthew to begin with, and we might venture into the other three i haven't quite decided yet but that's going to come down the road we might do like matthew and then another new testament book whether it's an epistle or something and then we come back and do mark and then we do an epistle and then luke and then an epistle or something and then uh, john and we might just kind of go back and forth on that but we we have uh really a plethora of scripture left to go through and uh so we got a lot of time you know this isn't going to end anytime soon we will be doing this for uh, the foreseeable future. And I think this also helps you to uh, get yourself acquainted with scripture and you can hear it read and you can hear it explained without having to, you know, open up five different study Bibles and commentaries and read for yourself. You, 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 you're getting my view, but it's hopefully helpful in understanding to see that I will also try and say, well, you know, the reform might look at it this way or the Roman Catholics would look at it that way. And this is why we differ here I try to do that for your sake so that way you can kind of get a round perspective of what's going on. And we we dig into this uh, New Testament now, and I'm going to kind of uh, push aside the thought I had last week of doing a show on God's wrath. I just the more I thought about it this week, um, I had just got done doing all the minor prophets and every one of those was a story on God's wrath. And so I'm kind of like, okay, we've talked about the flood when we did eschatology. We've talked a lot about the day of the Lord. We've talked, you know, it's just, it's a topic that I've been beaten, beaten into the ground and the horse is dead and I'm just, I'm done. I'm moving on. So we're going to look at Matthew. We're going to look at the introduction and we are going to dig into that today. Um, Just a few quick reminders before we do it. I have not really talked too much on quote unquote, my commercials. And I air quoted that here 
uh, these last few weeks just because I've been trying to get into the material quicker. But I don't want you to forget, if you want to help support the show, we are listener-supported. You could do so for as little as a dollar a month. And you know, and this is interesting. I want to just I want to say this before we get into the show. I was looking uh, for some curriculum for my confirmands, and and I I went and ordered some Lutheran curriculum to help them teach and read through the catechism, and and I have student handbooks, and I've got a leader's guide, and then I got new Bibles for my confirmands, and the um. <laughs> The, the 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 question necessarily wasn't on the content it was the cost and i thought about that for a little bit and my wife even brought up something she's like boy she's like you're going to spend $200 and you're getting and i'm basically getting one semester i'm getting five new bibles i'm getting five student handbooks on the catechism and lutheran living and i'm getting a leadership guide on that so it's a, it's a good chunk of stuff it's it's like 12 or 13 books that i'm getting for 200 bucks and that's with shipping and so it's, you know, each little student handbook is $10 a piece. The leadership guide is 29. The Bibles, I think, were like 32 or something. So not a terrible cost, but it adds up. And I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, I'm putting this investment into the church and I'm, you know, the, the church is putting this investment into the students. And my wife made a comment. She's like, you know, if they're charging for that curriculum, which you've, you know, I essentially have in my, in my Luther's small catechism on my desk. But it's uh, it's taking it and adapting it into a means that I can teach my students hopefully quicker and more efficient and more cohesively. Uh, why am I balking at paying any sort of money for it when that is what the curriculum is designed for? And I thought about that a little bit, and she goes, "So why would you feel guilty about you know offering a, a patron package for your for your followers?" And because I had been wrestling with this notion of do I charge one dollar? Do I charge five dollars? Do I set up tiers? Do I do, you know, how do I do that? And I've really, since we've started this, we've left it to uh, up to the notion of if you give a dollar, you get everything. You can give more if you choose to. Um, but it's, you know, I'm selling you my time and my understanding of the scripture in hopes that you will find yourself rooted deeper into God's word. And so that's why I've only ever kept it at a dollar and we will not change. It'll be $1 or you can give more if you choose. I'm not going to stiff arm anybody into it because for me, I want the community aspect. I want you to come and join us on discord. I want you to come and join us on Instagram. I want you to come and join us on and the Bible studies and all the things that we do as a group. So dollar a month gets you full access to all the stuff behind the scenes and, and I pray that it's edifying. If you're listening to the show, I'm sure you've hopefully enjoyed the content that I've delivered. You'll get that and more when you come and join us on Patreon. But if you choose not to, I'm totally respectable of that as well. But if you do listen to the show, please share it across your platforms and um, send us reviews. Subscribe to us on whatever platform you are. Make sure you set the notifications and all that jazz. So anywho's. Uh, that's the patron. Obviously, logos, big announcements coming. Uh, by the time this show airs, I should be able to make the announcements. So pay attention to my Instagram account. I'll probably put it up on Twitter too. Twitter is the Undying Light Ministries page. Um, but follow me on Instagram and you'll get some big announcements for logos coming down your your views here shortly. Uh, and then all the fitness stuff. I, I'll just leave that in the notes. If you want to talk to me about it, I'm an open book. I'll tell you everything you need to know. 
Um, I am an avid weightlifter and I wouldn't call myself a fitness junkie, but I enjoy because I enjoy eating some bad, bad foods, but I do it in moderation and, and I try to live a life that's healthy and keeps me here longer for my kids. And so if you have any questions on fitness, I know some of you who listen to the show uh, have used my discount code and gotten yourself some good pre-workouts. In my opinion, AML does the best in the market and, and I absolutely love what they produce. So you can use my discount. All that's in the show notes. If you want to talk to me, DM me, you can send me emails, whatever it is. I'm an open book. I'll tell you everything and you can go and, and do your research upon that. So that's that, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into the heart of it. We're going to look at Matthew today, and we are going to uh, dig into some of this really, really, really hard content in this gospel. And and I say hard content because it's news that uh, the, the Pharisees have flat out rejected, and it's you know, the, the construct of who Jesus Christ is. And we will uh, work ourselves through the genealogy of Christ next week. And we will work ourselves through the birth of Christ, even though we're a little bit out of Christmas yet. Uh, we are going to work through that narrative. We are going to work through, you know, each of these chapter by chapter. And we will talk through what is going on, what is happening, what does the culture look like, and how can we come to understand what is being written in Matthew for today's purpose. And I chose Matthew because it's a little bit longer of the gospels. It's a, an interesting perspective that kind of is uh, the different side of the, the racetrack than what Luke is talking about. Um, but we'll, we'll look at both of those gospels and we might even get into it to where we're looking at them in kind of a tandem fashion. And we go back and forth. There is a book out there that's called the harmony of the gospels. And I'm going to use that when we do our Bible study, which is available to patrons. We are going to use the harmony of, uh, of the gospels as I do my Bible study for my church and for the patrons. And we will look at all four gospels as they come up. Now, obviously Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic gospels are going to have more in common than John, but they all have some major significant events that all, um, kind of work themselves through. And so we'll talk, why does this Pat book put this event in a different order than this book? And we'll talk all about that during our Bible study. But for now, we're going to look solely at Matthew and then we might get into kind of the parlay between Mark and Luke and where they are. We might just make note of it as we go along. Like, you know, oh, if you're following, you know, the, the, the timeline of Jesus, then this is where you would be in Mark and this is where you'd be in Luke. So, we will dig into the genealogy next week. Um, I will make an attempt to read through all of it. It does. I don't think there's anything in here that's crazy hard, but I will make my best attempts to read all of it for your, <laughs> for you. So I, I, I may just give you a pre-note and say, okay, go ahead and mute, and uh, then you can read it yourself, and then unmute um, after so long. And I'll put the unmute time in there so you don't have to deal with me stumbling. But I'll do my best. Uh, and if I do make anything ferocious, I'll, I'll remove it. So, all right, so let's get into Matthew. We'll start with this little timeline just to kind of bring about some understanding here. Uh, some theologians would argue that Jesus was born before the year zero, which would be like, you know, a year or two before that marker. Some people believe that he was born in one or two BC. Um, 
some would then argue to the other end of it that he was born in 1 or 2 AD. But let's just say he's born in 2 BC. And then in 29 AD, uh, he is baptized by John the Baptist. This is a, you know, can roughly be 30, 31 years or so, depending on when we place his birth at the year. Again, there's another theological debate on what was he born in September? Was he born in, in December? Why is December 25th his decided upon birthday? It's a topic I'm just, it's not fruitful for the Christian to deal with at this juncture in this show. So we're not going to talk about it. The collective view of the church is December 25th is his birthday. That's just where we're going to stick with. Whether you believe it was September or not, that doesn't matter. We celebrate it on December 25th. So when we get to this kind of timeline, we when Jesus is going to meet John the Baptist, he's roughly about 30 years old. You could say 30, 31, but he's 30 years old. This was the time at which uh, he would have been a fully grown man in the in the Jewish eyes. Uh, and then he begins his ministry upon the baptism. In AD 33, he is crucified. He dies and raises from the grave. And we celebrate our first Pentecost in AD 33. So about three years uh, after his baptism. Matthew, the gospel, is written in and around 50 AD. So only about 17 or so years after the death and resurrection of Christ. So very significant that we understand that Matthew was written very close to the life of Christ. And of course we know who we'll we'll get into who Matthew is too, as we move through this. Um, And then shortly after Matthew's written about 68 AD. So another 18 years or so, we have the martyrdom of Peter and Paul happening about the same time. And then we know that all of the rest of the apostles are killed and we know that John lives until well past 90. And so he's very much an older man uh, by the time he dies versus the apostles. So we could say that most of those guys were probably in their mid to late 20s by the time they were rolling with Jesus. Um, some of them might be in a little bit older, but that is really not a big deal to deal with. It's not a topic of importance. It's just an interesting, you know, side note, but for the larger grandest schemes, you know, and I think sometimes we try to place emphasis on on too many things um, that just aren't found in the scripture. And we try to talk about it um, from a, you know, a perspective of, well, you know, this means that and blah, blah, blah. And, And none of that really has any, correlation to the gospel. So let's stick with that. 50 AD, Matthew writes his gospel and we will have a whole plethora of places that we will visit as we work ourselves through. We have a whole plethora of people. We will see Jesus. We will meet John the Baptist, the 12 apostles, uh, Jesus' family, the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herod the Great, Herod Antipas, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph and mother of James and John. So we have a group of people that are uh, all will be at some point talking with Jesus or doing something behind the scenes as we see with Herod the Great. Um, we, we know that most of these people have interactions with Jesus. John the Baptist does. The 12 apostles, Jesus' family, the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Marys uh, and the mothers. 
they all interact with Jesus and we'll work ourselves through all that when we get there. Now, just before we get further in, we, we will cross the eschatological chapters 24 and 25 and we'll, we will work ourselves through that, but they will be probably a rendition of what we talked about last year, two years ago when we dealt with Matthew 24 and 25 in the eschatology series. So we get to the purpose of this book. It is to proclaim God's end time rule has come in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. That is the whole premise. It is the proclamation that God's end times rule has come in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. This is it. He is the Messiah. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the one who is the redeemer and savior of the world. That is Jesus Christ. All of it comes together in Christ. So as always, we have our law themes and gospel themes in any book we deal with. We've got uh, God's judgment and we will see repentance. We will see the political and religious opposition as they will engage with Jesus further in the gospel. It's not so evident up front. If we were to jump over to Mark, we would see a little bit more confrontation up front because Mark uh, just kind of chunks his uh, stories right together and just moves really quick through it. Uh, That's why his gospel is only 16 chapters long. But we will see that uh, political and and religious opposition come. We'll see authoritative teaching. We'll see confronting a brother who sins. Uh, Those are all chapters that we will deal with because they uh, have often been led to really bad misunderstanding of doctrine, in my opinion. So we'll work ourselves through that. Uh, For the gospel, we have God's rule and mercy. The gospel itself being Jesus Christ. We will talk about baptism. We will see compassion, authoritative teaching from Jesus, um, the Lord's Supper being instituted, and forgiving the brother who sins. And so we will talk all through all that content. I'm very excited. I love this book. Matthew is probably one of my most treasured gospels, in my opinion. And for me, at least, it's my most treasured gospel. I love John. I love Mark. And I love Luke. But for some reason, Matthew has just been the front and center of my attention for many, many years now. And I just, I, I love reading through it. So let's get into kind of the reading of Matthew. When Jesus taught in Galilee, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is chapter four, verse 17. And at the temple, there will be not one left here, one stone upon another, 24, two. It might've seemed like a dream to his disciples, the ways of the word of the world in their glory must have seemed permanent. And yet as Jesus preached, the sun was setting on the old ways because God had promised he would come to reign in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus reveals the glorious appealing appearing of the kingdom of heaven. Jeff Jeffrey Gibbs characterizes Jesus's. I'm sorry. Jeffrey Gibbs characterizes Matthew's account as follows. Addressing a broad Christian audience of Jewish and Gentile worshiping communities in uh, Syria and Palestine, Palestine during the middle of the first century AD, Matthew, the apostle extended the scriptures of Israel by authoritatively narrating how the end of times reign of God had broken into the world through the historical deeds and words of Jesus of Nazareth. God's son and God's Christ, the former tax gatherer's narrative reflected the common apostolic proclamation about Jesus' ministry, culminating in his vicarious death and resurrection. At the same time, Matthew of Capernaum 
and independently portrayed with special emphasis that one Jesus, son of David and true king of Israel, fulfilled God's dealings with his his people in the Old Testament, and that two, this Jesus is the mighty judge whose return on the last day will usher in the final salvation for all God's people and final judgment for all God's enemies. And that three, until the age's consummation, the disciples of the Son of God are to occupy themselves with extending Jesus' own ministry to save both Jew and Gentile. This mission takes place by telling the good news of Jesus' reign of God ministry among human beings by baptizing in the triune name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and by instructing Jesus' disciples in the whole revelation of God, especially that is revealed in Jesus' own teaching. So this is taken from uh, Jeffrey A. Gibbs, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 11, verse 1. And this is uh, copyrighted according to St. Louis Concordia 2006. So I, I just want to make note because our church has been getting the you know, the, we've been knee deep in all the copyright laws and stuff. And I, and look, I, I'm always one to tell you, am I borrowing something from, uh, another translation or another, uh, commentary? Am I reading it from a book like we do on Tuesdays right now? Um, I, I always want to make that front and center and you'll know when it's me talking versus when I'm reading something. And, and sometimes you may not, but for the most part, if I'm going to read or, or acknowledge something, I will tell you where I'm getting it from. For instance, uh, right now I'm going through the introduction of Matthew through the Lutheran Study Bible, and these are the notes that they have, and I take what they have and kind of rearrange and paraphrase, and, and, and I talk through some of that stuff and what's important and what's not, you know, in, in my eyes for this particular discussion, the least important things. And I talked through some of that. And so, like, for instance, they've got a couple great sections here on the kingdom of Herod. And we're going to read through that really quick. And then we'll dig into the challenges. So if you have a Lutheran study Bible, it's a great resource. And I find it to be, um, it's not, you know, in my opinion, it is better than the Reformation study Bible and the ESV. The ESV study Bible is a little bit more directed towards one very particular view. The Reformation study Bible uh, has some issues, in my opinion, as well, where it, again, trying to kind of truncates just the Reformed view. And the Lutheran view, when you read through it, yes, the commentary on the verses will be saturated in the Lutheran theology, but the introductions to the books themselves are, are fascinating because it gives you such a different and unique perspective of each book. I'm not saying the Reform- Reformation Study Bible and the ESV Bible are bad. I'm just saying I don't agree with some of the stuff written in them. And so that's why I don't use them really anymore. I strictly use the Lutheran study Bible and the Lutheran commentaries. I'm a Lutheran pastor. That's kind of what I do. So the kingdom of Herod, this is appointed as king of Judah by the Romans. Herod the Great was staunchly loyal to Rome during his reign from 31 to 1 BC. By circa 20 BC, Herod controlled the areas shown on this map above. Uh, which would include the 22 cities that he rebuilt and fortresses, including Caesarea Mariana and Sebastian Herodium and Macedonia. The greatest monument was the Jewish temple. After Herod's death, the bulk of his kingdom was divided amongst his three sons. Archelaus succeeded him in Judea, 
Edomia and Samaria, and Antipas became Tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, Philip received uh, a handful of <laughs> other locations, and Archaeus was disposed of in 6 AD, and his lands became the Roman Empire providence governed by uh, governed from Caesarea and Jerusalem. Agrippa I, Herod's grandson, would rule almost all of Herod's former lands through favor from Caesar, and later Calatus uh, Caesar, and this is now Acapia II, ruled some of the same territory, just not Judea. Paul appears before Agrippa II on his way to Rome in Acts 25, 13 through 26, 32. So kind of a little interesting history on Herod and his descendants. Again, some of the names I don't or I'm just butchering. So you just have to deal with it because <laughs> I, I, you know, sometimes and I, and I made this comment before. Sometimes I'll read a word and I'll hear it pronounced. I'll hear it pronounced over and over and, over and I'll practice it. But my tongue just does not and cannot get some of the names right. And I, and it takes a long time for me to practice, which I just don't have. I've been in and out of the doctor's offices this week. It was in the ER on Monday. It's just been a crazy, crazy week. And uh, by the time you listen to this show, it would have been last week. And so finally, I, I snuck away today on Friday. Normally, I don't record this late in the week. Normally, I'm recording on Monday or Tuesday. And this whole week has just been a trash heap. So I haven't had any practice at any of these names. So please forgive me. Uh, but it, you know what? That's the rawness of this show, right? That's what you're going to get. So uh, we have challenges for readers as always. Uh, we, we won't get into Luther on Matthew cause it's a, he's got a whole long preference on all of it. So you can actually read his stuff. Um, if you want a direct source, I can get you that. Just send me a DM and I can show you where you can get it. But we're going to get into some of the challenges here for the readers uh, with any of these three Gospels or really any of the four. You're going to have um, some challenges with its relationship to others. And the Lutheran Study Bible has a great three or four page article on uh, on, on each of these testaments and how they play into in, in accordance with each other. Uh, we might do a show on that. We just might work ourselves through it sometime um maybe we'll take a break from matthew halfway through or something i don't know but it would be a good topic to cover because i think it would be helpful for you as a listener to see how matthew and mark and luke and john all um intertwine and yet are different and singular in themselves so some other challenges jesus in the community of faith since the gospel according to matthew is the only gospel that directly mentions congregations in chapter 16 18 and 18 verse 17 some interpreters have emphasized the role of the early christian church in writing this gospel the typical critical argument is that matthew strongly reflects the needs interests and interpretations of early congregations and the members of these congregations made up the stories and teachings about jesus's life and address issues of their time and place although matthew does focus more on the community of faith than than the other gospels do this does not mean that his gospel is about the early church rather than the actual events and teachings of Jesus. Matthew answers questions about congregational life while faithfully describing Jesus's ministry, which founded the community of faith. Order and meaning to the story in the gospels, the teachings and events of Jesus's life are not simply gathered together randomly, but are presented or narrated 
in the uh, for the instruction for the reader. Matthew's account illustrates this clarity by the five sermons or discourses that organize Jesus's teachings into blocks. Those are broken into chapters five through seven, chapters 10, chapters 13, 18, and 24 through 25. These passages before and after each saying or event often help the reader to interpret their meaning and their role in the larger story. The study of these relationships, narrative criticism, is important for interpreting and applying the gospel message. In other words, it is important to study the story of Matthew presents it before comparing his account to other gospels. Sermon on the Mount. A long-standing debate questions whether the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5-7 through seven presents law or presents the gospel. Jesus does not present the sermon specifically to convict people of their sins, although they may certainly have happened as people read the sermon. In this context, in Matthew, the sermon describes the way the people who have received the reign of God now live. Uh, And eschatology is another challenge for readers. Matthew emphasizes that the life and teachings of Jesus fulfill God's plan to reign over his people from heaven In Jesus' end times, reign of God has come. In Matthew, Jesus mentions the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven 48 times. This is the single most important theme of the gospel. Blessings for the readers as you will read into this chapter or this book with me. As you read the gospel of Matthew, uh, rejoice, especially in the very full accounting he gives of Jesus' teaching. His five discourses record more that more of Jesus's parables and sayings than are recorded in Mark and Luke and also take special note of the promise that Christ is coming again to reign eternally as you face struggles dwell on this sure and certain hope in your savior. All right. So just a quick outline as we've already breached the 30 minute mark. Um, we've noted the five discourses so we will just kind of jog jog through these really quick uh there's essentially three divisions that overarch the entire book of matthew the first being the person of christ this is the genealogy birth and childhood and the ministry of john the baptist this takes us from chapter one through chapter four verse 16 starting with the 17th verse in chapter four we have the proclamation and ministry of jesus christ to israel this will take us through chapter 16 verse 20 In this, we find Jesus begins his ministry in Israel, the first discourse, the Sermon on the Mount, the deeds of Jesus Christ, the second discourse, the missionary discourse, Jesus' ministry meets with opposition and prompts division, third discourse, the parable discourse, and continuing opposition in Jesus' identity. Starting with the 21st verse in chapter 16, we have the final section, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for Israel and all people. This will take us all the way through the end of the book. Jesus approaches Jerusalem where he will suffer, die, and be raised. We will see the fourth discourse. The church is founded on forgiveness of sins. We will see the Jesus continues towards Jerusalem in the face of opposition. Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem where he meets confrontation and rejection. The fifth discourse is the eschatological discourse. And then the passion of Jesus, which is the plot against him. The Passover becomes the Lord's Supper. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Jesus is arrested in trial. Jesus is mocked, crucified, and buried. Jesus rises from the dead and sends the 11. And that takes us to the end of chapter 28. So that is the outline. 
uh, we will dig into the grander scope of this book in the coming weeks and months. Um, 28 chapters will take 28 weeks or so. Uh, so we've got, uh, you know, six months or so, a little bit more than that of life in Matthew before we move on. I'm very much excited and looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. And that's going to wrap the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a great week. Get to church on Sunday and be blessed. We'll see you later. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are, and when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate neutral certified so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin glow from the inside out get 10% off your first order with code glow at oseamalibu.com that's o-s-e-a malibu.com code glow